Welcome everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is The Bread of Life. This is a program of the International Disciple Making Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism. You can go to traincpe.org to learn more about our work in over 40 countries. You can also find us through links at breadoflifeboise.org, where you'll learn about our local missions fellowship. Turn, if you will, to John chapter 17, verses 14 through 20, and we'll consider Christ's thoughts regarding our Bibles. I purchased my first Bible at the age of 13, and there, one of the first things I took note of was that God wanted me to be holy. Holiness is a word we need to reclaim and strive after. What our nation needs more than ever before are churches, not seeking to add adherence, but ones committed to raising up people who live in Christ-like holiness. Our message for today is entitled, The Bible and holiness. The Bible and holiness. Look at verse 14 of chapter 17. Here we have Jesus praying for the disciples. And actually in verse 20 we learn that he's not praying for the disciples alone, but he's actually praying for you and I. He sees us meeting in this place during this session of prayer that took place some 2,000 years ago. And he highlights a need in our life. And he begins to underline it before his Father and pray for us. The same Jesus who prayed then for us prays now for us in the same way. In verse 20 it says, Jesus says as he's praying to the Father, I do not pray for these alone, that is the disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And here's what he prays, beginning in verse 14 through 17. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them, that is, make them holy, by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself. I make myself holy, that they also may be made holy, sanctified by the truth. Everything that's Christian, everything that's life for us, everything that teaches us of the hope that we have, everything that fills us with joy and gladness and gives us a perspective on life, everything, everything came to us by the medium of this word. Oh, someone might have told it to us, but they didn't know it apart from this word. This word has been delivering dividends ever since. And in your life, it's delivering dividends, blessings every single day as it teaches you and reveals to you wonderful things that you'd never known before. Or maybe you knew them, but it highlights it in a special and wonderful way. And I can look back over the last week, and if I had time, I could share with you just over the last week wonderful insights from God's Word that have meant meant the world to me for this week and a blessing to me. But this is the blessing of the Word. In fact, it was through the Word that I discovered something I needed to discover but probably didn't want to know about, and that was that my sin, the things that I had done wrong, had separated me from God. But it was also through this word that I learned that God loved me. The first verse that I have memorized was our verse in John where we love him because he first loved us. God loves me. I remember that was such a wonderful thought to think that God loved me. Here I was, a little uh, second grader or first grader, and the idea that God who created everything loved me, and that because he loved me, I had an opportunity to love him back, was a wonderful truth. 
And I learned through this book that God in his love had provided a savior who is wanting to take away my sins and save me from the condemnation, the judgment of my sin and bring me into a relationship with him. And I learned from this word that the name of that savior was Jesus Christ. And I learned through this word how I might make that savior mine, personally mine, how I might receive him and how he could come into my life and how he could cleanse me and forgive me of all my sins. And since then, I have learned through this word how it is that I can experience the blessing of having a deep, abiding relationship with that person, that Savior, Jesus Christ, each and every day. How this Savior can live in my life and pour into my life his holy presence and empower me and enable me to live a holy life that pleases God and how he can come into my life and enrich me in the most significant relationship that an individual could ever have. And it all came to me, all of that truth, all that meaning, the very thing that has guided and shaped and steered my life came to me because of this word, this wonderful Bible that has been delivered to us. The Bible has been producing dividends in my life. I want to talk to you this morning about one of the dividends that the Bible gives us that makes it essential in our lives even today. Do you know if the Bible had simply taught me that God loved me and that God had provided a Savior through Jesus Christ and that I might now meet that Savior and live daily with him, I might be able to then close my Bible and say, okay, it's taught me everything I need now I have the Savior in my life, and now I know the Savior lives with me, and I don't need the Bible anymore. I can set it aside. I got the message that it was meant to teach me, and that's all it served. It served its purpose. But the Bible also teaches us other things, things that make this word essential for our lives, vital for our lives even today. I want to talk about three things the Bible teaches us, and the first one is this. The Bible teaches us that the call of God for our lives, now that we've received him, is to be holy and to live a holy life. The call of God for our lives is to be holy and to live a holy life. We sing songs like we make our lives a sacrifice. We sing songs like holiness unto the Lord. We sing the songs about God's holiness today. We sing about the fact that these are holy hands and we're lifting up holy hands. That's because God, when God saved us, saved us with the intent that we might live holy lives and that we might be holy as he began to live his life in us. This is what the Bible teaches. The word holiness or holy means to be separate, to be removed from. When the Bible talks about the holy city of Jerusalem or when it talks about the holy day, the Sabbath day, or when it talks about holy vessels, you'll read about holy vessels that were used in the temple in the worship of God, or where the Bible talks about particular holy men, it's talking about days and cities and men and vessels that are separate or distinct from common days and common men and from common vessels and from, from, common, from common cities. So you have Jerusalem, the holy city, which is different from all the common cities that were around it. It was separate. It was distinct. And you have a holy day, which was the Sabbath, which was different from all the other six common days. And you had holy vessels. They were no different than the vessels that were used in people's homes, but these were to be used in the temple totally for God and for God alone. And so they were, they were different from common vessels that served common uses. And there were holy men who were different from common men in the sense that they were to serve God and God alone and be separate to him. And God has called us to be holy. And this is what holiness is. It's to be called away from or to be made separate. In Ephesians verses chapter 1, verse 4, Ephesians says that God chose us before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. That's what God did. When God chose you and God selected you to be a part of his kingdom, 
He purposed in his heart that the reason would be that you would be holy and separate and blameless in his sight. We talked about the fact that God has saved us in order that he might receive glory. And that glory would come by pouring his glory into us, if you remember, and then pouring his glory out of us and conforming us to the image of his glorious son. But the outworking of that, the expression of that glory for us is holiness. It's being separate to God. It's being distinct from something that's common. God not only has chosen us to be holy, but Romans 1.7 says that he's, he's called us to be holy. Romans 1.7 says that we are called to be saints. The word saints comes from the root word holy. It means to be holy ones. Do you realize that? That each and every one of you who has received Jesus Christ in your life is a saint. And you're a holy one that God has chosen and called to be holy. And Peter goes so far as to say that God has not only chosen us, and God has not only called us to be holy, but Peter says in 1 Peter 1.15 that God has commanded us to be holy. He commands us to be holy. Now, God is omnipotent, but he does not ask us to be omnipotent. And God is omniscient, that is, he knows everything, but he doesn't ask us to know everything. And God is eternal, that is, he is without limitations, but God does not ask us to be eternal, and God is holy. And God asks us to be holy. He calls for us to be holy. I'm not exactly sure all the reasons why God calls us to be holy, but I think it has something like this. When God identifies everything that he is, and God wants to personify everything that makes him God, he refers to his holiness. If the different attributes that God had represented different parts of his body, God's holiness would be his face. Because God, when God would disclose himself, would disclose himself in holiness. Psalms tells us that in Psalms, God makes a promise to David that David will always have a son that will stand on the throne over Israel as a king. Always have a lineage, and that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. But God, in making this promise to David, says that he will swear to David by his holiness. You know, when you and I make a swear, we go into a court of law and we lay our hands on a Bible and we swear by the Bible, something that is supposedly higher than ourselves. Or we swear on our mother's grave, or we swear on our mother, or we swear by something that's higher or better than us. But God cannot appeal to anything that's greater than God. He can't appeal in his oaths to anything that is greater than himself. So what God has done is he's chosen to highlight that which is most essential to his very nature and say it's by that that he will make his promise to David. David, I swear by my holiness, if I don't fulfill this promise, take my holiness away from me and you will take away from me everything that makes me God. You will take away from me my beauty. You will take away from me my face. And God swears by his holiness. And so when God wants to see his nature reflected in us more than anything else, he wants to see the nature of his face, his holy face, reflected in our lives. So God has saved us, and he's chosen us, and he's called us, and he's commanded us in order that we might be holy. Now, when I think about that, that's rather overwhelming, to think that God wants me to be holy. I look at my life, I look at the failures, I look at the things I do wrong, I look at the insufficiency that's in me and my own flesh, and it overwhelms me. But it's helpful to know that Paul said this. Paul said something about the journey into holiness. He said in Philippians 3, verse 12, not that I've already attained this, not that I've already become holy, or that I've already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I don't persecute myself because of the mistakes I've made, 
I don't flatter myself because of the brief moments of excellence that I've achieved. I forget those things which are behind, and I strain toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal of the, to, to win the goal of the prize for which God has called me heavenward for in Christ Jesus. I press on to be holy. I press on to enjoy the holiness of God in my life. See, it's okay if we're not perfect all at once. God understands that we will not achieve perfection and holiness in this life. God cannot come to us and give us a standard less than what is perfect. God can't say, all right, my request for you is that you be somewhat holy. Yes, okay, you don't have to be completely holy. Just be somewhat holy. Be uh, somewhat removed from that which is unholy. Live a kind of separate life, and uh, that'll do you for now. Well, God has to offer, because he's holy God, God has to list before us and offer before us a holy standard. And he says, I, I want you to live a holy life. But God understands that we won't attain these things all at once. And so we forget those things which are behind of our failings. We forget those things which are behind of our successes. And we keep moving on in order that we might have God work within us and fill within us this holiness. The Bible reveals to me that the source for all of my holiness is the life of Jesus Christ. Now, that's not what we're going to talk about this morning. But if I am to learn about what I'm to do in living the holy life, I must always understand and realize first that before I can do anything, Jesus wants to live in me, and Jesus wants to empower me, and he wants to bring to me the wealth of his own holy life. And this is the blessing I have. God has not called me to do anything that God has not outfitted me for. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.